Welcome to Muse Views, the podcast for the Muse community about the Muse community. Muse is a nonprofit education networking group for users of the Meditech electronic health record system. Here on our podcast, we chat with healthcare IT folks about ideas, opportunities, strategies, and solutions to improve work life experiences and share views you can use. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, TJ Temple. Thank you for joining us today. Today in the podcast, we're blessed to have another physician guest. Dr. William Daly is a family practice physician and also serves as CMIO at Golden Valley Memorial Healthcare located in Clinton, Missouri. Dr. Daly has a very interesting path into healthcare and has led the team at Golden Valley to utilize technology to its fullest. The team at Golden Valley are active participants in Muse community, and I'm excited to have Dr. Daly share a few of the great things they're doing today. Dr. Daly, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, TJ, for having me. Tell the listeners a little bit more about Golden Valley and share with them your interesting and unique journey into healthcare. Well, Golden Valley is a 55-bed community hospital nonprofit in Clinton, Missouri. We're about an hour east, southeast of Kansas City, about an hour north, a little over an hour north of Springfield, Missouri. We're in a town of 10,000. We have a a multi-specialty rural practice with uh, oncology, basically pretty full service. We don't have interventional cardiology or neurosurgery or anything like that, but we've got a lot of specialties. We have four rural health clinics, one in Warsaw, one in Windsor, one in Osceola, and then the one in Clinton that's attached to the hospital. We are, I would say, pretty progressive for our size. Uh, and certainly we we have employ probably about 45 physicians and probably another 10 or 12 APPs, NPs, and PAs. The latest thing that we're really working on right now, uh, organizationally, a big push is we're doing a big push for our oncology and most especially for radiation oncology. So we're in the process of a capital campaign to raise money for radiation oncology locally. It's a huge barrier in these rural communities to have to go a long way traveling daily for radiation oncology. We have a a pretty well-established oncology practice here, but radiation oncology is left out. We do a lot of infusions. And so that's a big, big driver here because radiation oncology is very expensive. It will not be a... uh, you know, moneymaker necessarily. So we need to do a capital campaign to make sure that we have sufficient resources for it to do well and uh, provide a good service. So we concentrate a lot here on trying to provide any service we possibly can to the community and to our, our friends and family so that they don't have to travel outside of the area. And radiation oncology is a huge barrier. You know, just the nature of radiation oncology is that you have to go for a two-minute treatment or five-minute treatment, but if you have to travel an hour and a half to get there each way, um, that becomes fairly prohibitive. So that's our big push right now. As far as me, uh, well, I'm a rural family practice guy. I I came from Nebraska. Um, I was originally a chemical engineer. I served in the Navy for six years. I was a uh, nuclear power plant operator and nuclear chemist and radiological controls on a submarine. 
Then I got a chemical engineering degree after that at Nebraska, along with a master's degree prior to going into medicine. I originally wanted to go into pharmaceutical research and maybe an MD, PhD type thing. But in doing research for my master's and, and as an undergrad, I realized that I liked the people part of it a lot more than I liked the research. So I just decided to go into medicine and then had to select a specialty. And, you know, I think that should be done based on personality. And so my personality really fit family practice. It offered me a lot of variability, which I really liked. And then as we proceeded, I was shocked when I came into medicine at how far behind medicine was technologically. It was just so far removed from what I'd experienced in engineering, what I expected. I kind of expected everything to be electronic. I was shocked to find out, you know, in early 2000 that we were had stacks of charts and people running charts around the hospital. We had no computer-aided tools to do our job. You know, when I went into medicine, the most advanced thing that you could use was a Palm Pilot 5. And I had one and I had a 5X and I had a Tungsten T and a Tungsten C as the Palm series evolved. But that was very advanced then. That was cutting edge, you know, late 90s. You know, if you had a Palm Pilot, you were on top of the world. If you had Hippocrates, you know, when it that was when it first came out. Uh, that was big time. Right. Well, I'd started an initial practice in Nebraska and was kind of surprised because it was brand new practice, brand new clinic. And I recommended that they do an electronic medical records because we had the beginnings of that at, at the University of Nebraska. I think they had an old Cerner product or something. Anyway, uh, they they just said, oh, no, we're just going to do paper. And I'm thinking, well, that doesn't seem like a very smart move in 2003. And anyway, so as I then transitioned to my to being a physician down here in Missouri, it became evident as meaningful use came in that that we needed to, you know, change away from our paper templates and our paper records. And I was in a rural clinic in Windsor, Missouri. So we were going to be the pilot location for an outpatient EMR. Now they had a uh, Meditech client server uh, back then when I arrived in the hospital side. So I was fairly familiar with that. And but we didn't have anything in ambulatory and and so we had to make a selection there and and then we we're gonna pilot at my organization. And then it became clear to me that we really needed somebody with some informatics background to help us get to where we needed to be. Um, because we were going from paper essentially in clinics to electronic. And the problem with a clinic that's a little different than acute is efficiency is quite important. And and people would say, well, it's important in acute too. It's more important in ambulatory because of the just sheer volume of visits, the rate at which you should be able to complete a note, things like that. So I brought it up to my CEO and uh, he said, oh, you've got all the education you need. And I said, well, I don't think so. I think I need more. To its better service. So I did a clinical informatics program at Northwestern, got my master's in medical informatics, became a part of AMDIS, would go to those meetings out in Ojai and really get kind of a the feel for everything, meaningful use, you know, stage one, stage two, et cetera. Became a certified clinical informaticist. And, you know, I, I think it, it really helped. It allowed us to really start to optimize on uh, what we had as far as uh, Meditech client server, 
And just about the time we were getting that really humming well, the uh, our product that we had selected for ambulatory was getting sundowned. It was one of the uh, ones that got bought by, I think, Change Healthcare. It was a McKesson product. And um, they had kind of divested themselves from several of those things suddenly. We'd seen the writing on the wall. So we went together and selected what we were going to do, you know, for the next 10 or 20 years, hopefully longer. And then we did expanse and I led that uh, implementation from an executive standpoint to go to expanse. I think we went live December, 2018 uh, on expanse uh, and we did big bang everywhere, ambulatory, acute ER and uh, home health oncology kind of the whole works. So, and as I was going to lead the implementation and the of a new EMR, cohesive EMR, that was a big prod, you know, big thing we wanted to accomplish. We wanted to get rid of these dysfunctional workflows by having dissimilar systems. We wanted to make sure that we were all on the same EMR, same med list, same problem list, same allergy list and get rid of some of the workflows between having different, you know, disparate lab systems and ambulatory systems. So I needed some additional background there for an IT direction. Now I, I've got a pretty extensive hobbyist IT background, you know, from 10 base T on, uh, mm-hmm. just thinking around at home, setting up networks and servers and things like that. But that's a lot different than what you have to do on a production environment in a business. There are a lot different stability requirements, obviously, data requirements, things like that, strategic requirements. And so that's when I did CIO boot camp to try to get a better feel for that side of things since Mm -hmm. I was going to be leading IT. So I, 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 for the implementation of the EMR, I was actually over IT and pharmacy. It's just kind of the way it worked out. And so so I, I, I did not go to pharmacy school, though. I decided <laughs> I would not do that. Uh, that. That would be a little a little ridiculous. But my thought is, if it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. And I wanted to make sure I could give the best I could to our organization and to our patients, to our physicians, and to our staff to make sure that we did the best thing we could for implementing this new unified system. We called it one, you know, so we had to kind of come up with the whole, you know, marketing issue or kind of drive to drive staff and drive patients so that we were all working towards the same goal. And we had a very successful implementation. And then we continued to add toolkits through Meditech professional services for opioid toolkits and et cetera. I think the very first thing that we trended out here was, oh, it was a a deal with Coumadin. So back in the day, the pharmacy has these safety measures that, you know, are key safety things year by year. So year after year, they they kind of make an emphasis on various pharmaceutical things. And for a while, it was anticoagulation. Coumadin's a notoriously dangerous medication if not properly monitored. And I think the, the biggest win we saw with data was we went into a, a project where we knew that that we weren't optimally measuring INRs, for instance, before starting, let's say somebody comes in as an outpatient, they're on Coumadin. Sometimes we would resume Coumadin or continue the Coumadin in the hospital without measuring an INR, for instance, or we would start Coumadin without having a baseline INR. 
Well, you know, you bring the data to the physicians and you show them how well they're actually doing. And you say, I got a plan to do better, like 100%. How does that sound? Does 100% <laughs> sound good? Like we always get an INR before we start coming Does that sound like a good idea? Well, yeah. And I said, okay, well, let's, we're going to start a project where we're going to, we're going to a hundred percent of the time before Coumadin's administered, we're going to make sure we have an INR within seven days. And we're going to make sure every so many days, somebody's on Coumadin, we're going to check an INR. Well, that sounds like it's going to be a lot of work. No, no, it's not because we're going to have pharmacy help us and we're going to have nursing help us and we're going to all come together. And within, I would say about a month, we had our numbers at 100% and we did not deviate from 100% except for maybe a 95% or 96% uh, one or two months in a, like a two or three year span. And so that was our first kind of big win as far as kind of pulling everybody together. And it requires, all those things require multidisciplinary approach, right? You can't say, hey, doctor, why aren't you checking your, do you check your, your INRs before you start, you'll, you can do that all day long. But the problem is there are a lot of competing motives and there's a lot of competing things going on. And my theory is make the right thing the easiest thing to do. Sure. And if you make the right thing the easiest thing to do, everybody will choose it. Everybody will choose the right thing. And, and so that was, you know, that's what we've done. That's what we continue to try to do. Um, and, and, and we've seen success that way. And so going into that project, we knew we were at a suboptimal percentage that I'm embarrassed to even mention. And, and I'm sure it's not different than any other hospital, quite frankly, right. but 100% you can't argue with. And we did the same thing with med, with scanning. You know, we came in the whole new system, making it a priority to scan every patient at every med administration and scan the, the meds. So we had closed loop medication administration, which mm -hmm. is very close to a, the same kind of thing with Coumadin. Mm -hmm. And we quickly, within months of going live on Meditech, had nearly 100% throughout the organization. ER lagged touch because of just the way that ER works, and they'll never be 100%, but certainly 95%, 100% in about every other location, and we continue to track that. And there's just innumerable things. Once you see kind of the benefit of setting a goal, coming up with a way to measure towards that goal, and then optimizing to make that number as high as you possibly can, making 100% your, your ultimate stretch goal, you can continue to progress towards that, you know, perfection. Uh, we'll never achieve perfection, but, but I think if we're not trying every day to be as safe and uh, as perfect as we can in the care we provide our patients, then I don't think we're pulling the right direction. And we all kind of work there, but you, you can't do it alone. You know, you can be very committed as a physician. And if you don't have some checks or somebody helping you get there, you can't get there. We did the same thing with vancomycin. So pharmacy tracks all of our vancomycin, does all the dosing. It never got any pushback once once you show the numbers a few months later where it's gone from a very suboptimal number to very good and having shortening length of stays and things like that. So those are all things that you track in these deals to make sure that you're uh, 
getting so so I don't know what kind of paper we'd put out. We'd have a lot of papers. I don't really have time for that, but <laughs> but I do have time to take care of patients in the best way I can and try to sure. help our organization do that because that's yeah. that's all of our goals. And you know, it starts in our organization. It starts at the CEO. He happens to be a ex physical therapist. He's clinical. You know, his priority is to treat our patients like they're our friends and neighbors and family. And they are, you know, when you're in a 10, 10,000, um, serve about 60,000 patients in your service area, they are your friends and family and neighbors. And so I think you have to have that kind of alignment top to bottom in order to get to where you need to get. So it's been great here. And I, I would urge everyone to work together with their pharmacists and their physicians and their nurse leadership, their nurses, their IT department. We have a meeting every week with all those stakeholders to try to make sure that we're not working in silos. You know, just like as you do when you build an EMR, you have to all work together to to a common goal and and uh, and not hold your ground and right. make some concessions in order that you can do the best thing. Sure. Well, you know, you've you've got a, a wonderful approach there, and you know, I really liked what you said there. Is make the right thing the easiest thing to do, and that's that's a great approach to have. And so, as we wrap up here, um, I want to talk or build a little bit more on your inter interdisciplinary talk. You, you talked about how it takes a team and how it takes you know um, engagement from different parties. I follow Golden Valley on social media, and it seems like there's a really warm culture there, and it seems like. You know, there's a lot of emphasis put on coworker happiness, and you guys have a big celebration with every retirement and every employee of the month and all of that. So talk about that culture a little bit and how that helps you kind of function as a provider and uh, achieve things that you're achieving there. Sure. I'd say that's, you've really kind of picked up on what I believe to be a key success factor here. And that is you have to have alignment Aligned goals, aligned vision, aligned strategy from top to bottom or or bottom to top, however you want to look at it. Everybody's got to be pulling the same direction. You know, you can't have four horses or six horses and have two of them pulling one way and, and four of them pulling the other. And when you have your culture aligned, and it takes time, culture is the hardest thing. You know, they always say culture eats strategy for breakfast or whatever. Right, right. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I think, is the way it goes. In order to change people's viewpoint and have everybody work together, y'all got to know what you're working on. And you got to have an appreciation for your staff, your customer, or your patients. And by staff, I mean your physician staff, your nursing staff, your environmental services staff. They've all got to be you know, appreciated. And, and, you know, we've had an appreciation deficit over the last two years, really. And I'm just talking about medicine in general. And, you know, we're looking for ways to really do more because everybody was so involved with this COVID thing where we were just trying to survive and our patients were trying to survive and administration was trying to survive and finances were trying to survive that, you know, we had to kind of make it a point, and our CEO did, make it a point to try to celebrate a little more, even have celebrations for no reason, you know, <laughs> no reason other than let's do a celebration. 
Right. You know, yeah. now we had our 50th anniversary this year and that was a big deal. And so the, oh, cool. that was a nice timing because we just needed more. Right. Uh, everybody needed more. We were worn out and we needed more. So it is something that goes on day to day here. Um, you walk down the halls, you're always going to get a smile. You're going to get a wave. You're going to get a high from anybody you walk by. It doesn't matter if it's a patient or another staff member. That's a behavior we like to see and things like that. So, yeah, it's a real thing and it's critical for working together. You know, I would say 15 years ago or 12 years ago or something when I came here, there was a concerted effort made to, you know, foster the right behaviors, support the right behaviors, work on behavior to make sure that we all knew what what to expect of ourselves mm -hmm. and what to expect of our neighbor or our coworker. And over time, that eventually results in an organization that's all pulling the same direction. And I think that should be recognized. You know, so I, I, I'm glad you brought it up because I do think it's critical for people to come to work and have a happy, safe environment to work in and have coworkers that they appreciate and that appreciate them. And, uh, and I, I do think that there's a lot of work that can be done in every sector of, of society on that approach. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, and just to add to that, we just got our second leapfrog thing back, you know, and this is something that IT's, you know, intimately involved in is leapfrog, right? So yeah. leapfrog is a rating system. Is that, what is that? A through F and, uh, we got our second consecutive quarter of A's in Leapfrog. And, you know, I wasn't sure with how difficult Leapfrog is if we'd ever be able to achieve an A, uh, quite mm -hmm. frankly. In a, in a community-based hospital, our size pretty mm -hmm. unheard of. So actually, yeah. there's a low number in Missouri in general, maybe four. Yep. But that doesn't keep you from trying. You know, you continue to work on your safety. You continue to work on refining your electronic medical records so you get alerts when you should and not get alerts when you shouldn't and and all the things that you have to do to to get good scores uh but you know the funny thing about that is and it, it doesn't matter if it's patient satisfaction doesn't matter if it's hospital compare in our organization and, and it's really clear when we do strategic planning it isn't about the scores it's about what yields the scores and and if you concentrate on scores too much, you just kind of go, oh, we're just doing this for a score. That's not the same thing as doing everything that's needed to do a great job, and then your scores will follow. And and I think that's an important point. Yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, I'm on a lot of different mail lists, you know, and I had a physician informaticist actually ask a question about, you know, that they're talking about getting consulting company to try to help them improve, I don't know which scores it was, hospital compare, leapfrog or something like that. And I kind of sat back and I went, oh my, you know, that's a pretty heavy lift for a consultant to come in and increase your leapfrog scores, <laughs> you know, yeah. or to increase your hospital compare scores. Right. You know, I mean, I, I'm sure there's somebody that you can pay that will assure you that they'll improve your scores. But <laughs> But the challenge in that is that's probably not going to happen. I mean, you're not going to get stable scores. You may be able to figure out a way to do things a little different so that your scores for a short period of time improve. But in order to get real performance out of an organization, that's culture. And you can't get a 
I don't know of a consulting company you can have to come in and fix your culture. And that has to be from within and that has to be driven from every layer to get you the right direction to per- be performing organization, you know, and be accountable to yourself and to your coworkers and to your patients. And so that I actually sent that to my CEO to show him, ask him if we could have just got a consultant to get this done. And <laughs> I think he, his, he would strongly disagree that that would be possible or at least pretty heavy lift to uh, get everybody pulling the same direction. You know, right. that, that would be magic. Yeah. And if a, if a consultant company can do that, that would be a quite a long engagement, I would think. <laughs> well, right. You know, and there are consulting companies that, that works for bald, you know, work towards Baldridge criteria sure. and things like that. And we do a lot of those things. You know, we've done the Missouri quality, you know, a number of years and, and those things all play a part in, you know, kind of laying out the foundations And it's not that consultants can't help you change your culture, but I think it's pie in the sky to say, hey, we need our scores increased. You know, we'll pay you this amount of money to get better scores. (laughs) I think you can definitely do engagement to help your culture, but but it's not going to it's I don't think it would be fair to say that it's going to uh, fix your scores, you know, And, and actually nobody wants to work towards a score. Right. Right. Like I don't see a patient and think, oh, how can I get a better score here? (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, I'm trying to see a patient and give them everything I got every time yeah. and to try to do the best job I can for them. And uh, and I think if you do that day in and day out, you'll do a fine job. That's right. Do the right thing and the scores will come. That's right. And I wasn't sure of that going into any of these projects, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're never sure. As a matter of fact, I remember when we signed an engagement to work on Baldridge and things like that. I was a little skeptical at the cost and this, that, and the other thing. But, you know, I don't know that there is a cost too high to have a good culture. Yeah. Well, that's very well said. Maybe that'll be the quote of the podcast right there. That that's a good <laughs> that's a good a good <laughs> statement for sure. Something to something for organizations to to strive for and sounds like Golden Valley's living up to. So we certainly try. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Dr. Daly, I really appreciate your time today and appreciate everything that your organization is doing for the Meditech community and the Muse community. And and I hope to see you continue to strive in all your efforts and implement new toolkits and and keep pushing the curve forward. So best of luck to you moving forward. And I really appreciate your time. Well, thanks for having me. And hopefully people can pick up something. Absolutely. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to Muse Views. Don't forget to rate and follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcast fix. And visit museweb.org to join the podcast forum and for information about Muse.